Today we're looking at the message, the answer to unanswered prayer. So here's the question. What prayers have you prayed that seem to have gone unanswered, right? Like you've prayed prayers and there have been times I'm sure that you've prayed prayers and it seemed like instantly, instantaneously, you received an answer to that prayer. And I'm sure that it's happened to many of us on many of, on uh, at least some occasions. But have you ever had a prayer that you've prayed a prayer and it seems that that prayer went unanswered? But here's the question. The question is this. What have you been seeking God for? What, what kind of things have you been asking God for? What kind of things are you praying about right now at the moment that you've been seeking God for? Right? And so here's the question. When it comes to getting our answers to our prayers and the thing that we're actually praying for, if we're asking God in supplication, which means to make a request of God, because we know that prayer is threefold. There's praise and uh, there's supplication and there's uh, intercession, right? Intercession when we're praying on the behalf of someone else or, or something or some other, um, you know, situation, um, supplication when we make requests of God and praise, praise, prayer is also consisted of praise. So here's the question, the things that we're requesting of God, how do we get it, right? Like, how many times have you prayed and it seems like your prayer just went unanswered? Well, today we want to talk about the answer to unanswered prayer. So let me say this, that receiving from God is it's receiving from God. When, when it comes to receiving from God and being able to um, to have the, th the things that we're asking for in uh, asking for in prayer, to actually be able to have those things to come into our lives and to receive from God, that is rooted in our theology. And what happened is quite often our faith gets shaped by our perception and our perception gets shaped by our experiences. So with that being said, then now we're talking about our theology. It's the theo. It's, 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 it is our thought process regarding uh, the faith things, regarding uh, you know our beliefs, and our belief system that's a can be a theology, a quote unquote theology. So our faith then, Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So then our faith then gets shaped by our perception. It's how we perceive a thing, right? So perception then has to do with our intellect. It has to do with um, how we uh, process <clears throat> in our own thoughts, uh, you know, thought processes, you know, how we, you know, view things, how we discern and how we use discretion. And our faith can get shaped around that. <clears throat> also, our perception gets shaped by our experiences. What, what have you experienced? What have you and I experienced, right? Right, like we can experience something great and something exciting and something lovely and something wonderful, and that can be an influencer on our faith. Because if, <clears throat> if, if you experience, if you and I experience for the most part, and let's say 90% of our life, if we experience positive, uplifting, encouraging, motivating, life-giving things, then quite frankly for us as an individual, if that's the way we experience our experiences most of the part of our life, it would be hard for us to imagine a God who's negative, um, who's uh, a dis who's destructive, who's 
demeaning, who's, um, you know, who's this God that's demanding. It's hard to imagine a God who would do anything other than have our best interests at heart. And our perception can get based, shaped by our experience. And let's say... So here's the question, faith. Now, what about faith? Well, let me say this. Our faith must be shaped by believing God and trusting God. So therefore, my faith, your faith, our faith is not to be shaped by what we experience because sometimes we can experience things that are good and, and you know, and uh, uplifting. Sometimes we can experience things that are not so good and that are possibly demeaning. But at the end of the day, what we experience cannot determine our trust when it comes to God and it cannot determine the faith that we have in God. Because if I experience all good, then I might think, well, God is good, you know, based on what I experience. Or if I experience everything that's, you know, if I experience a lot of stuff that's negative, then I may assume that God, you know, doesn't hear and he doesn't care. So therefore, we cannot base our faith on what we experience. And so what happens is we can often end up shaping our faith in God based on what we've gone through, based on what we've experienced, based on how we feel, based on what it looks like, based on what it sounds like, based on what it seems like, based on what it feels feels like it will always be. And we can walk in that as opposed to what the word of God says. So our faith must be shaped by believing God and trusting his word. Just that, that's faith because faith is a spiritual word. Faith is the substance of things not seen. Experiences are components. Experiences begin now to cause us to generate an ideal based on things that are seen, things that we have gone through, things that we have seen, things that we have heard, things that we have felt. And we can begin to build a track record of thoughts and perceptions based on our experiences that can interfere with our faith. And you have to understand that faith can be on one side of the track and what we experience can be on uh, on another side of the track that's direct, directly opposite and opposed one to the other. So then our faith must be shaped by just, first of all, simply believing God. What did God say? My faith has to be your faith, my faith, our faith has to be shaped by believing God and trusting his word. What did his word say? What does his word say? Because my experiences may be a lot of failures and my failures may have me feeling like, you know what? I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to be able to do, you know, anything great. I'm never going to be able to be a success or have any successful things that happen in my life. Now, my experiences may be telling me that because, I, you know, I may be experiencing a lot of failure. But what does God's word say? His word says things like this. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. So what that say? More than a conqueror? That says, not only can I make it, but I can conquer this and I am more than a conqueror. Meaning that I not only do I conquer it, but I can do exceedingly abundantly above everything 
that is uh, expected of me and through me. So uh, you may have heard the statement that God answers prayer in one of three ways. It's either yes, no, or not now. Right? Like we hear that, you know, like when you pray, like, you know, you may have heard people say, well, when you pray, God answers prayer in one of three ways. He either says yes, he either says no, or he either says not now. So when going before the Lord with this type of mindset, it puts us at a disadvantage. Right? Because before you go to the Lord, you're already thinking to yourself, we have a we can have a preconceived idea of what the answer may or may not be based on a theology that's not sound theology, that's not founded and rooted in faith in the truth of God's word, right? Because theology, for the most part, if it's, if it's, if it's a bad theology, it, can, it will, it will most definitely give us bad and sometimes disastrous results, even while praying. And so, and so if we go to God and we're like, okay, he may say yes, he may say no, he may say not now. But here's what I want you to do. Remember the Canaanite woman in Matthew chapter number 15, the Canaanite woman, uh, she goes to Jesus and she has a daughter and the Canaanite woman, as you know, is this Gentile woman and Jesus who has been preaching and teaching the gospel, who has been healing the sick, who has been opening blind eyes who has been causing deaf ears to open, has been ministering primarily to the, to the Jews. And yet this Canaanite who is uh, a Gentile, uh, she comes to Jesus and she approaches him because her daughter had been sick. And she comes to Jesus, and I'm pretty sure out of desperation. And she asks him to pray for her daughter because she knows that this man, she had already heard about Jesus and she knew that he had the power and the ability to speak things over people's lives and that they would become better and they would be healed. So she wanted the same miracle. And when she, uh, when she goes up to the Lord and to make the request of him, he responds by saying, that I'm only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. You don't take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And this woman responds to Jesus and she says, yes, Lord, but even, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Now you gotta look at this lady and you gotta think why, how in the world? Now Jesus makes this statement and you're thinking to yourself, who, who would not have just turned around and gone back home at that point, right? He said, you don't take, I mean, he referred to her as, you know, the equivalence of dogs. Like you take children's bread, like, and give it to dogs. And the, you know, the, pre the preconceived thought could have been, oh, he's, you know, he's belittling her. He's, you know, he's, he's uh, rejecting her in his words. But here's the whole fact of the matter is, this lady did not let that deter her. This lady did not let that turn her back. This lady did not go away empty handed. She stood her ground and she said, yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus was amazed at this woman's faith. And he said, woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you. Like, even as you believe, like you, you believe the thing, trust me, 
It's done. Your faith has caused this thing to happen. And so, but think about it now. If this Canaanite woman would have approached Jesus with the mindset of, you know, of going to him and approaching him and thinking to herself, well, he might say yes. He may say no. And he may say not now. And I'm convinced that this lady went with this already made up mind that I'm not leaving without a yes. I know he can. I believe he will. And I'm saying he must do this for me. And that is the kind of faith we got to go to God with, uh, children of God. We, we, that's the kind of faith, the kind of faith that's unyielding to doubt, the kind of faith that doesn't go to God in this idea, oh, he may say yes, he may say no, he may say not now. Trust me, if we approach the Lord in prayer that kind of way, half the battle is already lost before we ever get there. Because if anyway, if Jesus would have responded or, or, or given us a remark like he did this Canaanite woman, most of us would have turned around and went back home. Maybe disappointed, maybe frustrated, maybe, you know, maybe just disgusted at the whole matter and probably would have blasphemed his name or whatever and felt like he was an unjust man, felt like, you know, he did me wrong. Why would he do this for me? Why would he say that to me? But this woman's faith knew that Jesus could and she knew that Jesus had. And so therefore she believed what was done for others, it can happen for her also. She had no doubt that not only he could, but she had no doubt that she would leave having the very request that she made for the Lord fulfilled before she got back. And she did, she reaped it, her daughter was healed, just as she'd asked. And so let me say this to you that God never says not now. I mean, he doesn't. God never says not now. Now, now when we, when we, when we make a request from the Lord, when we go in prayer and supplication, even doing intercessory prayer, it could be that we pray for something, you know, today that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to show up in the next five minutes. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to show up in the next five days. Maybe not even the next five, five weeks or five years, but it will come to pass. And so when we go before the Lord and we ask God for something in prayer, we must go believing that it is a yes when we pray according to his will. We must believe that it's a yes. We must believe. We cannot be going, well, God's going to say not now. So if it's a not now, then listen, God does not purposely put us on hold. He does, you know, it's not like he's the, you know, the telephone operator going, you know, hold please. And then he waits, you know, five days, 10 days, five years. And then he go, oh, oh, okay. I forgot. I had you on the line. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm here. I'm ready to answer that, answer that call and give you that prayer. Now he doesn't do that. When we go before the Lord and when he gives us a yes, it is a yes. Now, here's the thing. Now, the minute we ask, God responds, but it will be in God's perfect time and when it manifests. Now, he does have he does have a perfect timing and he does have a season when these things will be manifested. But I'm telling you, in the spirit, in the supernatural, when God says yes, you you listen. You need to see it as already done because if when God says yes, it is done. And you need to see it as being done. 
And so what do I mean by that? I'm saying that you, you, you know, the moment that you walk away, things may not look any different. It may not feel any different, may not even sound any different, but I'm telling you that in the supernatural, it is different. And that's the thing we have to hold on to. We have to hold on to the thought that when I pray, I believe, I know God can, I believe God will. And I, I believe that he did and that settles it. And when it manifests, when it shows up, I'm saying every day that that thing that I prayed for, it is finished. It is done. And here's what Habakkuk 2 and 2 says. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, he says, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. That means it will not linger. So what is God saying? He told Hosea, I mean, Habakkuk, the prophet. He said, Habakkuk, there's something I'm about to do. And what I'm about to do, I want you to take and I want you to write this thing. It is a vision. Make it plain upon ta uh, tables that he may run that readeth it. He says, but the vision, watch this now is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it shall speak and lie not, lie not, though it tarry. What does he tell him to do? Wait for it. So that's the thing for us today, uh, children of God, is when God gives us a yes, wait for it. But believe this, when God says yes, it is done. It is finished. It's not like he has to go and make it happen. It's not like he's going to make it happen three years down the road, five years down. No, he made it happen right then. It's, it's, listen, he made it happen when he said, yes, it was finished and done. It's just now wait on the manifestation. Wait on it to physically, uh, to physically uh, appear. Wait on it to physically materialize and know, but walk away knowing that, you know what? Even though I don't see it, uh, in, in the natural, even though it has yet to manifest uh, in the natural, even though it has yet to materialize physically, it's <clears throat> it is done. That settles it. That finished it. To God be the glory. So we, so here's the thing: go before the Lord, knowing that not only He can do it, but He shall do it. And I believe with all my heart that what God said He's gonna do. He will do. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you as you go throughout your day. And remember, pray without ceasing and believe and wait on the thing that you have been praying for because it shall surely come and it will not tarry. God bless you.